This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, one and all. Uh, Frank Proctor here, sous chef of The Garden, ready to introduce the star of the show, really. (laughs) That would be my good friend, Charlie Dobbin, who is in her home in Prince Edward County. Uh, Now, here in Toronto, I'm looking out the window toward Liberty Street. I can't tell whether it's raining yet or not, but it's very dark and gloomy. Pouring here. Oh, is that right? It, well, oh, yeah. It's, it's a gloomy, wet day at uh, my house. Yeah. Oh, gully. <laughs> well, we're going to bring a little sunshine your way. We've got some mm-hmm. special guests who will be dropping by from our sponsor, actually, Stoke Seeds. Delighted to uh, have them on the air with us. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm looking forward. And you've got a couple of announcements, too, right? I do. So I was sent a note by the Asian Court Garden Club. I just wanted to give everybody a heads up that they are having a virtual Zoom meeting on Monday, March 8th, 7 p.m. sharp. The topic is Fantastic Ferns, and it's Gail Bebby who's going to be the um, presenter. However, I'm not, in order to join a Zoom meeting of a garden club, I think you have to join the club. So here's my suggestion if you're interested, everybody should bookmark the website. Garden Ontario, one word, gardenontario.org. And from there, you can reach out to any society. They're all in there alphabetically. Go to society listing. If you want to click on the Asian Court Garden Club, you can give them a shout and say, listen, I want to join your club. I, you're, you sound like a, a pretty fun group. So uh, that's a suggestion for people that are staying at home but want to make garden friends from afar. And then just one more, because I was sent this a couple weeks ago, and I did mention it, another virtual, it'll be a webinar, it's a CD Saturday virtual webinar brought to you by the London Middlesex Master Gardeners, and that is happening on uh, March the 6th. So that would be one, two, three, yeah, a week from today, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. <laughs> Skating around it again, aren't we? <laughs> I know. No, 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 I'm good. looking at a calendar. Going, yeah, exactly. You know, it's so confusing. Uh, every day just bleeds into another, and you don't know where the hell you are half what the time. What day is it? I know. <laughs> you know, I know it's Saturday when my alarm rings, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, oh, hey, uh, you've got a problem there at home with the gypsy moth eggs, right? Well, I just thought people might be interested to know. We, we had a um, an email a couple of weeks ago from Julia Wynn, and she got me looking up gypsy moths uh-huh. and, of course, how to control them because they're just devastating. They just do such damage. And, of course, oak trees, oak leaves are their preferred food. But at this time of year, they are in eggs. So look for eggs. There I was out there shoveling my driveway and I paused and I was looking at the bricks at the front of my house, the stone, and in between the stones where the mortar is inset, I thought that's kind of a weird brown, different look. It's a wrong color. It's not my my stone color. Mm. And then I thought, 
that's kind of that buff color that I was reading about for gypsy moths. And it, but it didn't look like an egg mass. It looked very solid, and sure enough, it was. It was hard to pick it out. But once I started picking, sure enough, I found, oh, I don't know, 150 eggs in there. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, and I, I'm happy to say I annihilated those gypsy moths. They are not hatching. Good for you. Okay, <laughs> we'll uh, keep up on track of that particular little problem on your property, but we'll deal with other uh, folks who have problems, uh, and you know, hopefully you'll offer up some solutions. I'm looking at the phone lines, and when we come back, we'll take a little break right here. But we're going to be talking to Gail, calling in from Cottage Country there, Fenland Falls, uh, on the line, and back uh, with more from Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show momentarily. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, let's take a little trip to Fenland Falls, great Frank, cottage country. Yeah. Frankie, can I just say one sure. thing? Sure. I don't think you gave out the numbers. You know, I didn't. You're, you're <laughs> right. I was <laughs> a nonplussed here. Okay, let me do you that right away. Yeah, All righty. Uh, in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. There you go. Thanks for catching me up on that. Thank uh, you. Gail in Fenland Falls on the line. Good morning, Gail. Good morning. Hello, Charlie. I'm phoning about a plant called Salvia Rhea, R-H-E-A. Every year I plant tall salvia in a raised garden all around the perimeter of our house. Now, I've always treated it as an annual, but last fall I decided to leave the plants. I cut them to the ground, and right now they're appearing as a little short brown twig sticking up about four inches. But do you think they will come back? I, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, I'm just doing a quick look here. As far as I know, so we, we, we do our best estimating on whether things will survive based on the hardiness of a plant, right? So salvia rhea, lovely, lovely plant, no question. Um, and but it is oh, just yeah, minimum cold hardiness. So its minimum cold hardiness is about minus seven degrees Celsius or twenty degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so that means that you it likely will not have survived. But what's so interesting is plants that we think of as annuals. I think of things like snapdragons as an example, even. Impatience used to do this sometimes. Um, they will seed, they will set seed in the fall and then the seeds will drop and then sometimes the seeds come up in the spring and we think, oh my goodness, that plant must be a perennial. But the actual mother plant has died but the seeds have survived. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad I asked you. I would have been depending on these plants to come back. <laughs> no, you better get some more. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> nice plant though. Goodbye. Thanks for calling. Okay. Thank you very much, Gail. i got time for another caller here. We're expecting our guests to be joining us fairly shortly from uh, Stokes Eats, so don't go away mm-hmm. from that. Uh, Judy in Stratford on the line. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. I have a question. I want you to tell me what we're doing wrong. A few weeks ago, you were talking about taking cuttings off your geraniums. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did that. We took really nice stems. We cut them down underneath the nodes so they could branch out, put them in dirt. Mine are rotting. Mine aren't. What are we doing wrong? <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> the cuttings you took, 
You said that you cut them just above a node? No, so that, below the node. Below, below the it, node. so they could root out through that. That's right. And so, and then you put them into a moist potting mix, I assume. Yes. And, and how many window. nodes are under the, the media or under the soil? Just the one node or is the there one. more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always a bit of a, a challenge when you only have one node um, that you're hoping roots will emerge from. What I would do is get a hold of something called stim root or I use root that hormone. I forgot to say, but I use oh, that okay. too. You did. It, was it a number one rooting, rooting yeah. hormone? Number one? Okay. So to use that properly, so nice, clean, everything's got to be clean, right? Mm -hmm. so, you, so you've got clean tools for your cutting. You yep. dip your cutting into water. You dip that cutting into the powder, stim yep. root or rooting hormone. Then you knock off the excess powder. And then that whole um, powder-coated stem gets uh, sunk under a moist media that, again, is sterile. It's not something that's been used before. So it's no. clean and clear right out of a bag. And then, how many, if there's, are there flowers on these cuttings or leaves or what's on them? There's leaves. We took the flowers off and I put them in a window that would maybe get an hour's sun a day, like, but not much. Okay. And how many leaves roughly? How tall are these cuttings? Um, they would have been about six inches. Okay. So keep in mind what's going on there. Six inches of stem with whatever number of leaves above ground mm -hmm. and not, no roots below ground, no ability to support that top growth. So no moisture getting in. And that can be super hard on a plant. So what you, you really want your cuttings only about four inches tall, if you can. So I, if I were you, I'd probably cut off the bottom and start again, shorten down a bit. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. So, yes, if they're rotting, it's in a window, it could be too cool. Because remember, the warmer it is, the faster the roots will grow. You speed up all physiological processes when you raise the heat and not to say that it should be sauna temperature but just that in a window can be quite cool and bright light will definitely help so you want the plant to be photosynthesizing you know those cuttings you want them to be actively growing and they need certain conditions so humidity bright light warm temperatures and they should grow particularly with the the, um, uh, the rooting hormone if things start to look like they're rotting then pull back on your on your watering just maybe you're just keeping the, the media a little too wet okay okay thank you very much thanks for your call thank you Have judy yeah just got the word that uh, our our friends from stoke seeds are waiting by and we'll be having a chat with them charlie i'll let you do the introduction in just a couple of moments here on zoomer radio it's the garden show my friends don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, you know, I'm very familiar with the area where Stoke Seeds is located, having worked in St. Catharines for a number of years, southern and, end of uh, St. Catharines, Thorold, Ontario. Yeah, you lived there for quite a number yes, of years. Yes, too, I, I did. And Stoke Seeds, I, I was doing a little research. I'm amazed. They have been a premier seed supplier to flour and vegetable producers since, get this, 1881. I know, amazing, eh? And we've got I, some of the head honchos on the line with us right we now. We do. I want to introduce to everybody special guest, Fraser Hetherington. He's the vice president of Stoke Seeds, and he's joined with one of his home garden specialists and customer service reps, Artie Egbali. Hopefully I've, I've pronounced Artie's name properly. Good morning, guys. 
Good morning, Charlie. Uh, so happy to join you this morning. This is Fraser. Good morning, hey, Charlie. Good morning. Artie, did I say your name right? Yes, you did a really good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, so I hear you're quite the, the specialist. Are you, You're a, a gardener yourself, are you, Artie? Yes, I am, yes. Excellent. I'll be asking Artie some questions about what he likes to grow. But, but Fraser, I think that, that you come into this as, as the big wig. You've got the, the mm-hmm. sense of what's going on in the industry. So I think our listeners might want to, like, based on what happened last spring, I mean, where we couldn't get a tomato plant if, you know, our lives depended on it last spring, what's going on this year? Is the industry going to be ready for the, the keen gardeners? Well, we we are ready, and yes, last year was really challenging, and it was it really came down to more logistical challenges. There there mm-hmm. was never a seed shortage, you know, from the breeder, producer, suppliers from around the world, but it became you know logistics with with huge increases in orders, mm-hmm. and then with uh, the COVID situation, and always wanting to keep safety at the forefront, you know, All with right. the challenges with how to get more orders out the door. Uh, increasing staff, but then doing that with restrictions, with uh, you know, with physical distancing. Wow, no kidding. So that was challenging because I remember last year. Um, I think what happened was you put your home delivery, like your home customers, on hold initially, so you could get your your seeds out to your commercial growers first. We did, and we, it was really unfortunate, but we really had no other choice. Um, you know, as mentioned, you know, the company has been in business since 1881, and you, you tend you tend to understand, you know, how to manage the business properly, effectively, and efficiently, you know, so that you can stay in business for this many years. Yeah. And you, it was just something that you, we just couldn't plan for. And uh, we, we, we had to make that decision. You know, the, uh, we do so much business with our, the commercial growers uh, in Canada and, and across uh, the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we came to the point where, you know what, we're, we play a critical role in the food chain, you know, the food yeah. supply. And, uh, and it was unfortunate that we did have to turn off our, our website and our phones there for a period of about, uh, I think it was three into four weeks, uh, just to ensure that we could get the orders out the door for uh, the commercial growers that, uh, you know, supply the food to the grocery store. Oh, yeah, that made total sense to me when I saw that that was going on. But And I also find that a lot of home gardeners get so excited when their seeds arrive that they just start planting them right away, and then they kick themselves because they've planted their seeds too early. So maybe it wasn't a bad thing that you put everybody on hold for a couple of weeks and forced them to, to start their seeds a little bit later. Um, and, and so how was your year? Did you end up just like um, best year ever in terms of sales last year? You know, we, we, we did. It was one of the best years ever. And, and year over year, we saw a 20% increase, increase mm-hmm. in our home garden business last year. And now moving into this year, would you believe it? We are seeing that kind of growth, if not more, again. Wow, that's so, great! Wow. So, in a two-year period, we're going to see, I think, at least at least a forty, if not fifty percent increase in our in our home garden business, which is fantastic. It's so so great that so many new people are coming to gardening and deciding that they want to do do this on their own and 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 grow their own food and and uh, experience the joy um, of growing their own food in, in their backyard, and it's fantastic. 
Um, and uh, we're, we're happy to support it, and we're doing the best we can, and it's not always easy. You know, Fraser, I'm just uh, looking at a, a note that was up on the uh, website, and I'm just wondering, I'd like your comment on it. It says, uh, due to restricted staff levels and extended delivery times now being experienced with Canada Post and UPS, you can ex- expect home delivery of orders placed today to be four to six weeks, depending on your location right. in relation to your uh, warehouse. Is that pretty well the case still? It, it it is yeah that is that is the current status here um, four four to six weeks mm-hmm. uh, due to the demand we've uh, we've got every department is working overtime uh, we've added an afternoon shift which we haven't had at Stokesies for I don't know how long wow. and and um, so we've done I can I can honestly say we've done everything we can do from a staffing standpoint um, to be able to you know produce uh, and get as many orders out the door as possible. And, and that being said, yes, we, we're still looking at that four to six week. If you place a, an order today, take about mm-hmm. four to six weeks, depending, um, to get it to you. Because as you mentioned, you know, the courier companies, um, mm-hmm. Canada Post, everyone is experiencing uh, delays uh, due to uh, the pandemic. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I, I was sort of uh, quick off the mark, and I ordered up your catalog and had it mailed to me. And I just want to say it is a lovely catalog. Uh, full of great information. Artie, do you have anything to do with the creating of the of the catalog, or is that more of a marketing department thing? Yeah, that is more of a marketing department thing, but I, they, I also have a little bit of input in, uh, in it because I'm in direct uh, contact with customers all day long. Yeah, so, so you so you they know. do listen to me a little. <laughs> well, I noticed there's a there's a whole page on customer favorites, so I figure somebody like you would have a good sense of what what those things are. Yeah, you know, like I talk to customers all day long and get a good feedback uh, mm-hmm. on what works, what doesn't work, or you know, uh, all sorts of things. Are is there any such thing as the most requested seed that comes by? Uh, vegetable wise or uh, flower wise? Your choice. <laughs> well, my goodness, uh, uh, everything. I mean, we have such a wide range of customers that um, I mean, everything is in big demand. I mean, from <laughs> annuals to perennials to potting plants to mm-hmm. vegetables to you name it. You know, yeah. there is a huge demand for yeah. it. Herbs, all of it. I'm sure everything. But, yeah, but it's, it's kind of it's very cool because um in the catalog, well, a couple of things that jump out at me. One is there's some nice recipes and some good tips for people uh, who are growing and and are successful and want to use their harvest. But there's a whole section on small space gardening. Do you do you get a lot of questions from people who are living in condos or balconies, terraces, smaller townhouses, and they're re- really looking for plants that will will stay proportional to how big they can deal with? Yes, I have actually a whole list of them if you're interested. You know, I have a, 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 some uh, annuals, uh, perennials, and vegetables that do really well in small spaces. And these are not small flowers, which <laughs> normally are planted in small spaces. Little larger plants, but, you know, very suitable for small space gardening. Sure. Give us some examples. And would you say before you start there, Artie, are these plants that would do best in pots because they are fairly dwarf plants or they're just small plants? They can grow anywhere. They can grow in pots, in containers, and in flower beds. Okay. Yeah, sure. Give but they are the, the, I mean, the varieties are just uh, so compact that, you know, 
uh, you can use them in any location, really. Okay, so I, 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 most people love tomatoes. That's got to be the number one vegetable. What, okay, give so me a good start. With vegetables, sure. Uh, <laughs> I have me a little tomato, a good, a good small space garden tomato. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a whole list of them. Uh, for Roma tomatoes, Daytona is oh, yeah. the number one for small space. And there is a variety called BHN 685. Uh, I didn't choose that name. That's an excellent choice. Uh, for a grape type of tomato, we have a Smarty and Tidy Treat. Mm, uh, for small round uh, tomatoes, we have a Lunchbox and Patio. Those are good names, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, larger tomatoes, Mountain Merit is one of the best to be grown in a, in a small space. Mountain Merit. I'm going to write that one down. Yeah, and then for cherry tomatoes, uh, we have um, Tiny Tim, Tumbler, Tumbling Tom Yellow. These love are, it. Love uh, yellow tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I've got a question for Fraser, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just noted from, from some of the copy on the website that the territory managers and product teams review new products right across the country, including extensive trials in California, Florida, New Jersey, Wisconsin, New York, and here in Canada. And maybe a comment on that, Fraser. That, that's pretty impressive. Yes, it, it's, it's a huge part of what we do here, you know, researching out the, the best and newest varieties. And we work real close with our uh, breeder producers and our commercial uh, farmer growers across uh, Canada and the U.S., you know, to see uh, the new products, see how they're performing, also getting the feedback from the commercial growers um, so that we can understand what we think might be successful, you know, adding to the product line. And, you know, certainly over this past year, uh, we haven't had the opportunity to travel and do as much, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in person, uh, on the farm, walking the fields, trialing. And, um, and, and that's certainly been challenging. So, uh, you know, we're relying upon the data the best we can. But uh, the, the trialing aspect at Soak Seeds is a, is a huge part of what we do and uh, a huge contributor to our, our long-term success and, and the value we, op- we offer our customers. Yeah, it's a good idea, and I guess you're running the trials at the University of Guelph in the trial gardens there, or your own. You have some that right on on, on location, too. Uh, majority are working in partnership with our uh, commercial growers okay. and uh, and the breeder producers. Okay. Uh, we we just made the uh, the decision to uh, to close down the uh, the old traditional trial farm at Stokes on uh, on Lakeshore, oh, and uh, it was just a matter of we're doing. So much extensive trialing, you know, with our with our commercial growers, um, that it just didn't didn't keep our our own farm viable anymore. Okay, because I was there once uh, with I think it was with Loblaw. They were doing. Right. Um, you were did, did an event, yes. Yes, you were, Charlie. That's right. That was maybe uh, six seven years ago. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it was lovely. Oh, that's too bad. So that's shut down now. The, uh, yeah, the so farm. we'll be spending even more time uh, walking <laughs> the commercial fields. That's right. You got to do that for sure. Um, all right. So, so back to um, Artie. Let's give me some examples of some hot new varieties that some of our listeners are going to want to know about. Just give me a good example of a hot new flower that everybody wants is going to want once they see it. Okay. Uh, how about um, Madonna White? It's a leucanthemum. Uh, Shasta Daisy. Mm-hmm. This one has a unique look, very compact, easy to grow, easy to germinate, 
flowers first year, and it's like maintenance-free. You don't have to do anything to it. No deadheading or anything? Nothing. Wow. Shots of daisies can be great, that's for sure, but usually you have to deadhead. Especially the Madonna White. Madonna White. I'm writing that one down, too. <laughs> We're going to be getting people calling, saying, what, did you, what were you talking about on the radio? Madonna White. Okay, so that's a great new, and that's a new variety for you or a new variety in general? It is, it is a, I believe it's a 2020 variety. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so give me, give me a, a vegetable that everybody's going to wish that they had in their gardens this year. Uh, let's see. How about some of these I mean, colored, go ahead. I mean, I can, uh, like, we, we have some varieties, you know, that are not uh, traditionally grown in the small spaces. Like, yeah, I have yeah, a couple yeah. of acorn squashes that you can grow in a very small space. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. I have a honey bear and cream of the crop. You know, these two, you know, you, it can be grown in a container even. Wow. They are that compact. Wow, nice. What if someone wanted the Stoke Seeds Grower's Guide? What what uh, website do they go to, fellas? Yeah, they would go to www.stokeseeds.com. Okay. And um, we have the uh, electronic versions there ready for download, or you can request a hard copy to be mailed to you. And you also have a phone number for people that don't have access to the Internet. Sure do. So I can. 1-800-396-9238. Perfect. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's funny because when I did mention this catalog and how much I was enjoying it and a couple of the listeners responded, one of the response, it was actually Maureen, who's one of our consistent listeners. She goes, I got the catalog. It's great. Just, and, and it's got an actual order form you can fill right. out and mail in. Right. Still so popular. We, we get so many of, uh, of people's customers' orders mailed in every year continually. So we're still going to keep putting that order form in the catalog every year. I, I was going to say, that just takes me back. You know, that's how I always ordered my seeds, you know, starting when I, when I first got into horticulture and started really, you know, growing things consistently back probably like late, mid-70s, late 70s. This was always the order form. I always got you that know, out. Yeah, and there's still such a large percentage of our home garden customer base that that may not choose to uh, to be uh, want to be on the internet or on the computer or, or might not be savvy that way. And uh, so we're happy to provide this this form to uh, to help them uh, determine what what they want and what they need, and so we can get it out to them. Perfect. So, Artie, do you have uh, any particular favorite that you've grown that you would recommend other people might grow? I, I'm thinking something edible, perhaps. Sure. Uh, let's see. Put let you on the list. I have, the list is long. I have a list. <laughs> I can hear uh, it. <laughs> I mean, one of the easiest things to, I mean, to grow as a um, as a radish, a daikon. Mm-hmm. It's not a real and actual daikon, but white icicle. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it can be grown in a container without any problem, and it's it tastes great. It's excellent. Um, mm-hmm. Another one is a Swiss chard. Uh, Bright lights, uh, yeah, bright I love that lights, one. you know, mm-hmm. can be can be grown as a baby uh, Swiss chard. And, oh, it's so pretty. And then we have a couple of beets that uh, they do really well in small spaces. Red Ace, to name one, mm-hmm. and Baby mm-hmm. Beet. Mm-hmm. Baby nice. Beet is an excellent, excellent variety. 
And for, again, you know, container-grown carrots, we have uh, Royal Chantonet. It's an old, old uh, mm-hmm. variety, but, uh, you know, it stays uh, stubby and short, and it does really well, and it's excellent for juicing as well. Oh, and, and one of the best uh, carrots around Goldfinger, uh, mm-hmm. which oh. can be grown both as a baby carrot or uh, let it uh, go full grown to maturity, and it starts uh, getting sweet, you know, right away. You know, uh, I'm sorry to kind of uh, the the enemy of this show is time, <laughs> and, and we have just run up against the clock. At, but boy, we sure do appreciate you yeah. calling in, uh, Fraser Hetherington and uh, Artie Egbele. Uh, thank you so much for some wonderful information. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Take care, and I'm looking forward to getting my seed order any day now. Awesome. We'll get it out there, and uh, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the opportunity, and happy gardening, everyone. Thank, Thank you very you much. Yeah, you too. Okay. Stay well. <laughs> and and uh, to Eileen and Bob, who have been patiently waiting on the line, we're going to come to you, okay? Because you want to be part of the show here, don't you? You betcha. The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin on the air from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, Charlie, uh, that was uh, terrific having those uh, gentlemen yeah. on the air. Stokes, really super. But as I had mentioned, there are folks who have been waiting on the line ever so patiently. Oh. Let's, let's welcome Eileen from Thornhill to The Garden Show. Good morning, Eileen. Good morning. 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 I want to tell you, Charlie, I really enjoy your program, and I learn so much when I listen. So thank you for that. Oh, great. I have um, a bonsai cerisa, and it's gr- it grow- the leaves grow with black tips. I've been spraying it every day. I've been watering it almost every day from the top. Like, I test the soil with um, you know, the tester, and, and if it's, you know, I, I try to keep it as moist as possible. It's mm-hmm. under grow light 12 hours a day. And it's like it takes a step forward and then a step backward, and I can't get rid of these black tips on the leaves. Okay, so black tips, and these are the, are they on all leaves, or do you notice it more on the newest, like the, the newest growth or the older growth? The, or, older, uh, the older growth. Older growth. So when, when we see black tips, and it's interesting because I'm pretty sure we had an email on this uh, recently. Yes, it was um, from me. It was from you. Yeah, so I did I did talk about it on the radio. Um, and I, what I did say is I, yellow leaves is common, right? We see that all the time. When we, when we see black, we always think a couple of things. One is uh, usually fungus. So why would the leaves have some kind of a fungal thing going on? So we think air circulation. So make sure that there's sufficient air, not, not hot drafts from the furnace and not cold air from an open window, but just air movement around the plant. Make sure that it is in a nice, warm, consistent temperature, and um, uh, underwatering or t- or t- or t- or underwatering may result in browning of the leaves. Uh, of course, overwatering leads to rotting of the roots, and then of course the leaves again turn brown or black. So you're right; you have to be very, very careful with your your watering. Um, make sure that the water is not cold water, like straight out of the tap. Do you let it sit for a bit? Yeah, yeah, I do. Hmm. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, I'm really frustrated because I've tried well, everything. I've yeah. used it and and I've 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 watered it more because I was watering it less. So I started watering it more. It's I have to say it's better okay. than it was when I when I was underwatering it. 
Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So just a couple of thoughts here. In the winter, all of our houseplants will slow down and we'll see very little activity from them. So we always less water just because there's naturally less light. Now spring is coming. Days are getting longer. Plants know it. There's no question. So do get into a pretty, when you are watering, water thoroughly. Make sure not, it's not just a couple of tablespoons of water. Make sure it's a real thorough watering. Um, I love the idea when I think a plant really needs to be rejuvenated, I'll dunk the whole pot you know, soil, yeah. root ball, everything, right into a, a big bucket or a sink of water and really, really, you know, eliminate everything out of the soil and fill that soil up with water. And then, of course, let it drain and don't do that again until it, it needs to be watered. Misting, of course, will help with humidity, but uh, temperature and bright light also makes a difference at this time of year. So, yeah, just sort of I, I would sort of concentrate on those basic sort of things if you can. And I think you'll find that as the days do get longer and as you are giving more water and you can start to fertilize, of course, you never give much fertilizer to bonsais, but, um, you know, be aware that fertilizer is, we're at that time of year when we get to March, it's time to start a monthly fertilizer program with our indoor and potted plants. Okay, so the only thing I haven't tried is soak is is like dunking the 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 whole thing in water. I've been watering it from the top, so you think maybe doing it, kind of putting the whole thing in water, would be a better, a, a good thing to try. It's an excellent way to water any plants because you got to realize that when when this the water is absorbed into the roots, air gets pulled down into the soil. So we always have something in the soil, either air in the in the pockets between the particles or water. And so the air can get very stale in potting soils, in any soil. So a really, really thorough watering forces all that air out, that old, tired air, and brings in some fresh stuff. And the roots will often be very happy for it. Okay, perfect. So you think, so how, how deep do you put it in the water? Do you put it like up to, you know, half the pot so it kind of soaks up, or do you, you totally submerge it? I would submerge the whole pot. Have you okay, got any moss or anything on the surface, or is it just soil on the surface? Oh, I'm sorry, we've lost the call. Oh, Jimmy, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, it's, if you're worried that the soil's going to all come pouring out, then just go right down to the lip of the pot when you're putting it in the pail. Or okay. okay. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at the clock, and we're going to take a little bit of a break, but just a heads up to Mike Benson. Uh, I know you got your mother's Hoya plant, and, and Charlie's going to give you a hand with that in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, Charlie, uh, Mike Benson sent you a picture of a, a plant, a Hoya plant that was his mom's. He said, uh, as you can see, it looks quite healthy, but I haven't seen flowers for a few years. What can be the problem? Okay, so just so everybody knows, Hoya is also known as the wax plant. So it is a... Um, uh, of course, best in a in a hanging basket or some kind of a plant stand because it's like a vining plant. It has a really long tendrils, and uh, it does come in green leaves or variegated leaves. And when it flowers, the flowers are so they're not super beautiful, but boy, are they fragrant! Just absolutely gorgeous. So, a couple of things to avoid uh, when you do see some buds uh, at all. Just to be clear, um, Mike. Do not, at that point, disturb the plant at all. Um, do not remove the dead flowers and do not repot 
until you absolutely need to. So Hoyas, we leave them in their pots as long as we possibly can. So what do we do to try and get them to flower? Well, of course, just a regular room temperature is all they need. Bright light is good. Even some direct sun is fine on, on Hoya. They like a bright, bright spot. Water liberally spring to autumn, sparingly in winter, as most plants. Misting is a great idea. Uh, of course, don't miss when it's flowering, but at this point to encourage flowers, get that little spritzer out and get misting. If you are going to repot, if you feel you need to, and the plant is just completely in need of fresh soil and a bigger pot, do your repotting in the spring. And uh, and I, as I mentioned earlier, we are at the time where we can start looking at fertilizing. So this Hoya would be a, if you haven't fertilized, we shouldn't fertilize during the winter. So starting in March, we'll mix up uh, a flowering plant fertilizer, usually mix it up in a watering can <clears throat> as per directions and water thoroughly with that fertilized water and do that monthly right through until September. And I bet you you're going to have some flowers, Mike. Sounds like some happy news for Mike there. Okay, <laughs> we've got uh, Bob on the line here from Scarborough. Let's check and see what's going on there. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Morning. That, that, yeah, morning, morning. <laughs> uh, I was uh, listening there to chap midst uh, Madonna White uh, Daisy. That sounds like a plant for all, everybody, right? Yeah. Mm. I wonder if you uh, dried it, could you smoke it? <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> It's a well, it's and it must give a kick, right? Anyway, my story is here. Uh, I have a um, an orchid, and I've had it for about ten years, and I'm not sure of the pronunciation. I think it's uh, Catalina or something. Oh, I'm, Catlia. Catlia. Yeah, okay. I'm old, and I'm allowed to make those mistakes. That's right. No, no. Everybody does. <laughs> so anyway, it's about uh, I say about 24 inches wide. It's got about 20 leaves on it, big leaves, about. 16 inches long, it stopped flowering. It used to flower every year. I soak it in the water once so with some fertilizer once a month, let it dry out. Uh, there's a little tiny green sprout that comes up at the base of the leaf before it goes into the other stem, and mm-hmm. it dies off after about three weeks or so. So what's my solution here to save it, or should I just put it out in the back step and say, please, they don't come back? <laughs> well, it's, that's a tricky one to grow. Like, I can't believe you, you bought that 10 years ago. Was that like a real, that was not an inexpensive plant, I wouldn't think. Well, I think they were about 39 bucks then, and there was a place um, uh, near me that sells them, and uh, it was the end of the season, so I got a little cheaper. But it, the blooms are fantastic. It's a purple, yeah. you know, and uh, every year it bloomed two or three, but the last two or three years. I was wondering if I change the media now, like a medium, should I, does it go good with sphagnum mass, or moss, or should Yeah, yeah that or orchid bark and, and a, a a clay pot, make sure it's not in a plastic pot. Oh, it is a plastic uh, pot. Yeah, I would try that. I mean, if it's been in the same pot for 10 years, I would certainly consider uh, moving it into something slightly bigger. If And you know it's a Cattleya, C-A-T-T-L-E-Y-A. It's got a tag in it, obviously. Isn't that what I said? No, I can't. Well, I'm just double-checking it. That is what it is. So you know what's the common name on that? It's a corsage orchid. Like, that's a big flower. So um, according to my my... Uh, authority book in front of me, um, four to six inch um, wide flowers. It is a terrarium plant. 
It needs okay, high so it's a humidity. Atmosphere then, right? It needs high humidity and fairly constant temperature. So you got to do everything in your power to raise the humidity. And that's a good plant for a pebble tray. You know, you do the, the tray right. with pebbles and sit the plant on top. Get that humidity raised up around it. And for sure, orchid fertilizer, get a hold of some of that. Use that monthly at starting now. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you can get it to pop some more blooms for you. And if you're going to repot, spring is the time to do it. One of those tiny stems that come out of the joint uh, to the bottom there, uh, like a little uh, stem, and then it dies off. Is that just, uh, they don't flower there anyway, do they? They come out of the bottom, the stem? Well, yeah, I mean, the leaves, it, it kind of depends. Um, most orchids have what's called, a, they grow from a rhizome, and then you should see little, um, those little uh, stems growing up should be the beginning of more leaves, which, of course, will become what we call pseudo-bulbs or, or, you know, kind of another form of a bulb. So you do want those to grow up. If you want the plant to get bigger and fatter and juicier, that you do want that stuff to grow. So get that humidity raised, and I think you'll find that they will they will start growing better. Hey, Bob, I'm looking at the time here. And yeah, it's just sure, time enough to No, oh, I, hold on. I just wanted to thank you very much for offering up a, a handy excuse for all mistakes I'm old. I thought that was well, it worked, brilliant. Believe me. <laughs> but you have thanks. to think of yourself as, as knowledgeable and young. <laughs> have a great day, and thanks for joining us on The Garden Show. Charlie? Yeah, thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. My goodness, what happened to the time frame? I know. Gone. Holy Hannah. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Great having some guests. That was different. We haven't had a guest on the show in probably close to a year. So thanks so much for sharing the show from Fraser Hetherington and Artie Egbali from Stoke Seeds. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I hope our listeners got some good ideas on some great, great, you know, sort of varieties from, from Artie. And, and thanks, Frank, for being the, the solid guy that you are. Couldn't do <laughs> any of this without you. <laughs> and Carlos runs it all from the board. So thanks to Carlos. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.